From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Monday the 16th of May 2022. Good afternoon. Today we'll be discussing some of the biggest stories, including Boris Johnson's visit to Northern Ireland and the Lebanese election, as well as talking to former MP Brooks Newmark about his recent trip to Ukraine. But first, Finland and Sweden's application to join NATO. On Sunday, it was formally announced that Finland and Sweden will submit formal applications to join NATO. Both countries have been considering NATO accession since Putin began his invasion back in February. And Russia's continuing attempts of intimidation only seem to have encouraged the Nordic countries to sign up. Both countries' accession to NATO now look very likely. The two countries to have expressed reservations at the possibility, Turkey and Croatia, have since backtracked, which means there's apparently unanimous support amongst current NATO members. This is obviously bad news for Putin militarily, but it's also bad news for him politically, because it undermines his narrative that NATO is actively expanding towards Russia's borders. Both Sweden and Finland have made it abundantly clear that their applications are a response to Russian aggression, not expressions of anti-Russian Western imperialism. On Sunday, Lebanon voted in its first national election since the onset of its dire economic and political crisis. Votes are still being counted, but preliminary results suggest that Iran-backed Hezbollah and its allies have suffered losses, while the Saudi-aligned Lebanese forces have declared sizable gains. A number of independent candidates running on a platform of reform have also picked up seats. The new parliament will have to nominate a prime minister who will then form a cabinet. But the process can, and has in the past, dragged on for some time. The incumbent prime minister, who hopes to stay in the role, has urged the parliament to act quickly because the current crisis cannot withstand political bickering. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. India has imposed a ban on exporting wheat in a bid to protect its food security and control rising domestic prices. Since the beginning of the year, global wheat prices have increased by more than 40%, largely due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, as both countries are huge exporters of wheat. Meanwhile in India, record high temperatures have affected domestic wheat production and raised concerns about the country's own supply. As one of the world's major wheat exporters, the sudden export ban has further pushed up the price of wheat on international markets. India has sought to quell international concerns by stating that it would still ensure the fulfilment of the genuine needs of countries that are dependent on Indian wheat for their food security. North Korea is currently battling a Covid outbreak that has, so far, caused around 50 deaths. Kim Jong-un has claimed that his country has been thrown into great turmoil, although his regime has not confirmed exactly how many cases there have been. It's estimated that there have been more than 1 million cases across the country, although even this is disputed because there's little to no testing capacity. In an attempt to control the virus, Kim has ordered the military to step in and distribute medicines. 
He's also imposed strict lockdowns and gathering restrictions in workplaces. It's particularly worrying that a country that is as impoverished as North Korea has such a widespread outbreak. As we know from bitter experience, Covid outbreaks threaten to cripple even the best healthcare systems, and North Korea isn't in a particularly promising starting position. Moving back to the UK, and Boris Johnson has called for an end to political deadlock in Northern Ireland due to the Democratic Unionist Party's opposition to the Northern Ireland Protocol, ahead of a visit to Belfast today. This week, we expect the Prime Minister to make an announcement on legislation that could allow the government to override parts of the Northern Ireland Protocol to try and ensure that inspection-free trade can continue across the sea border between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. More specifically, the bill aims to scrap checks on goods coming into Northern Ireland from Great Britain that are not headed towards the Republic of Ireland, and by virtue of this, the EU and the single market. The EU, though, has warned against any unilateral action by the UK to change the protocol, a view that has been echoed by politicians in the US. Finally today, on Friday, I got the opportunity to talk to Brooks Newmark, a former MP and Minister for Civil Society, who visited Ukraine on a couple of occasions to help people on the ground. The full interview is only available in the extended daily briefing on Nebula, but here's a segment of what we discussed. Welcome to Political Sandbox by Chamber for today's video with former MP and Minister for Civil Society, Brooks Newmark. Uh, Brooks has been in Ukraine helping with the uh, refugee effort, so he's here to discuss his work. So where in Ukraine did you sort of start off with, you know, helping people back in, into Poland? It's, it's, it's very much a west to east journey. Right. So, so we started off in Lviv and Kyiv. Why those two areas? Because that's where the Russians were bombing initially in the first two weeks, if you remember. The pressure point then moved away from Lviv and Kyiv to more to the center of the country in the south. So we moved to Venetia and Zaporizhia. Why those two areas? Because there were lots of people from Mariupol who then needed to get out. They couldn't get all the way to Lviv. And so we started then busing people from uh, those two areas, Venetia and Zaporizhia, to Lviv. They could then either visit friends, family, relatives in the west part of the country or get on the trains, which were more functioning much better at that point, go into Poland. As the war moved further east, um, we then started to go to Dnipro and um, Kharkiv. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's phenomenal that you've been able to, to do that for, for, for that amount and been able to provide that to so many people. Obviously, you know, we, we just mentioned sort of a, a little earlier um, Kharkiv, which has been, on, you know, in the news quite a lot. But I just wanted to move on slightly to um, Bucha, which was, has also been in the mm. news quite a lot. I know that you've been there. Mm. I think you've seen. So I was just going to ask what your sort of first hand account of that was. Because, you know, we've seen a lot that about, you know, war crimes being mentioned in Bucha. I was wondering if you'd see anything of that and what your experience was of, of, of that city. Yeah, I mean, you go into Bucha and, you know, every single building has been destroyed. I mean, they deliberately, you can see they deliberately targeted civilian houses and not just simply sort of slightly damaging or damaging, literally just flatting them. They're just rubble sort of everywhere. Um, but obviously, for me, the most shocking thing was seeing a mass war grave uh, and a mass grave, which I think had over 400 people in it. Now, by the time I got there, they removed the bodies. Um, but this is a site of a war crime. But it's not just war graves or sites of war crimes. Targeting civilians is a war crime in itself. So, so 
in many ways, you know, I am a witness to war crimes. And it's very important that uh, anybody who goes into any of these areas catalogs. So I've taken photos of buildings that were attacked and stuff to we're, we're all witnesses to that. And eventually uh, there will be, I hope, a day of reckoning and that everybody should be feeding in this evidence to whatever center is collecting this. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to sort of move on um, to sort of some, some slightly broader um, points now. So sort of uh, we've seen in the news in the last few days that Finland and Sweden are looking to make an application to join NATO. Mm. I just wanted to see what your um, your opinion was on that and, and, you know, the implications of that going, you know, going forward, especially in the context of the Russian invasion of, uh, of Ukraine. Yeah, I think it's amazing that uh, Sweden and Finland have always maintained throughout the Cold War, all whenever the pressure was at its worst, always maintained neutrality. Yeah. They did not want to join NATO. Um, but I think uh, what's happened now is that Putin is seen as such a threat in the way he's unilaterally gone into Ukraine that he's now certainly forced the Finns, who are the first people now to have said they want to join NATO. I think the Swedes will follow soon. Um, he, this is such an own goal because he will now have another 800 miles of NATO on his border, on his sort of northwestern flank. Mm. Uh, so, and he's saying, you know, there will be consequences. What consequences? He can't even capture one town in Ukraine. So what consequences can there possibly be? And to make threats to uh, Sweden and Finland and say, if you dare do that, you will be punished. Well, no, these are voluntary things. These are things they had done out of respect to Russia not to provoke them, but the fact that Putin has has provoked to such an extent and certainly pulled together NATO in the EU in a way that none of us could ever have imagined. Um, and this is the consequence is that he will now have another 800 miles of NATO on his border. Thank you for, thank okay. you for joining us today. And I'm, I'm sure we'll um, speak again about this uh, again in the future. So Great. thank you. Okay, thank you. Cheers. That's all we have time for on YouTube today. But if you want the full interview with Brooks, that's a 25-minute interview, then you should sign up to Nebula. Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also an extended edition of the show every single day, available to watch on Nebula or stream on your podcast app of choice. So if you want to support the channel and get a more extensive daily briefing every day, you'll want to sign up. And there's good news. Our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers some of the best documentaries, is offering a deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $15 a year. That's all the best documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream and then more TLDR on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and it's always ad-free. Click the link below to get both services for less than $15 a year and support the channel.